Hello, everyone. Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm your host, Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, my co-host, Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. Yo, yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 15. Yes, and we had a lot of stuff to talk about on this episode, but before we dive into everything from the Jason Kidd fiasco with Milwaukee and what's going on with the Cavs, Kawhi Leonard, and the Spurs, just remember that you can follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can also follow me on Twitter, Corbin, at CorbinMRPK. And make sure to follow Perry on Twitter as well, at Perry Aston. And you can also subscribe to our podcast on the iTunes um, iTunes podcast app. And you can also listen to our podcast on SoundCloud. So we got a lot of options for you, a lot of people to follow on Twitter. Um, but yeah, with that, let's just get right into this episode. Before we do, though, we got just a... We just we have to talk about what happened last night with the Pelicans, right, Perry? Yeah, and I mean, Cousins went off. Davis had the best game ever if Cousins wasn't right there. Seriously, these two players next to each other are not fair, and if they let them go, I'm going to be extremely upset. Um, so last night, Pelicans defeated the Bulls. Double overtime game, 132 to 128. Let's just talk about Cousins' stat line really quick. 44 points, 24 rebounds. 10 assists, so that's a triple-double right there Let's before we continue. Four steals and a block as well. So on both ends, completely dominant. His field goal percentage was good as well. Three-point percentage, he remembered that Cousins can shoot threes like a guard. 44 points, 24 rebounds, 10 assists. Let's talk about that. That's off the paper is 2K numbers. Yeah, I don't know if I could even get that in 2K with him if I was trying, <laughs> but it's... An unbelievable game. That's the first time since 1972 that someone had 40 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists. The last player to do that was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And there have been, I believe it's six players in NBA history that put up those type of stats. But you look at that, Wilt Chamberlain had six of those games, but nobody's done that since 1972. The level of competition... It was a lot more casual back in the day. Well, yeah, the the level of competition for big men... If DeMarcus Cousins was playing back in the 50s or 60s, he'd be doing this more than just once. Uh, right. It's he'd be an, one of the best big men of all time. I hate to say it. Yeah, it's an unbelievable stat line. Um, and him and Anthony, about, Davis, Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony too, Davis. Though. Anthony Davis, I mean, it sucks. It doesn't suck for him because I'm sure he's <laughs> happy for Cousins, but he had a really good game too. He fouled out, unfortunately, for him, or else his stats would have been a little better. Um I mean, at double overtime, also Cousins had extra free basketball to play he with, did. also for for to, you know, to increase the stat line. But a that's bit, also but still. that's also a testament to his conditioning. I believe he played fifty-two minutes, right? Yeah, no, I, that's insane. Fifty-two minutes. I, I, we tweeted that last night. A whopping fifty-two. Uh, let's read Davis's stat line as well. On top of Cousins, forty-four points. Anthony Davis had thirty-four. Nine rebounds, so almost a double double. Five assists, two steals, and a block. So. These two big men, you don't need anyone else on your team at this point if you want to fill the stat line. But, of course, if you want to compete in the playoffs, you're going to have to. But you got, you have two young superstars here that tower over everyone. Can I saw yesterday there was two full-court passes from DeMarcus Cousins to Anthony Davis that you know they've been working on that just in practice, just that play. And it was two perfect dime quarterback throws from Cousins to Anthony Davis. Both of them, Anthony Davis is running faster than anybody on the court, which is hilarious. And you see DeMarcus Cousins looking over everybody because he's so tall and just throwing a dart 
like not even a lob, a dart, straight to Anthony Davis. He catches it, doesn't even dribble, two steps, layup. It was too easy. And to see that get split up in the offseason is going to be so terrible. They need to figure that out and keep the two of them there because it's too exciting to watch. And they have a serious chance of competing if they can put a somewhat decent roster around the two of them. But I know we were speaking earlier about how tough that's going to be. But Anthony Davis and Cousins are playing out of their mind and well-deserved all-stars. And the two of them are just crazy together in New Orleans. Yeah, but... Like you say, that's the problem with the Pelicans is that DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis together as the nucleus of your team, I think absolutely you can be a championship contender. But most yeah. teams most teams would have something else around them. And with the Pelicans, they just have nothing else. I'm trying to pull up the box score from the game last night. but well, uh, Yeah, just like I was telling you earlier, everybody on that team... Um, there was five players, of course, Cousins and Davis. Uh, five players total that played, I believe, over forty point or forty minutes in a double overtime win, of course. So it was a little bit longer minutes. But then there was the rest of the team. So five players, forty plus minutes. The rest of the team didn't even log in twenty. So it's it's just like it's a joke well, with how lopsided this team is. Yeah, they had one. Just, Dante Cunningham at twenty one minutes, but he had one point. And yeah, that, no, I mean, it's just, you're not spreading the minutes out at all. It's clear that you have five players that you trust, or at least three players around Anthony Davis and Cousins, but you got to have some bench depth. If you, you need to let your players rest, you need to bring in different looks, confuse defenses, different players playing together on the court with each other, plus minus ratio, all that stuff. You can't just put in five players and hope that day in and day out, they're going to compete and beat other teams. Yeah, not even bench depth. How about they start with just some starter depth? Seriously, it's just <laughs> Cousins and Davis and well, I mean, no I one else. Well, I mean, each in their starting lineup, and that just makes me cringe, just that sentence alone. Yeah, well, this should also make you cringe, is that he was their third-leading scorer behind <laughs> Davis and no, Cousins. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, just wanted to bring that up before we got into some of the juicy drama around the NBA. Just wanted to give props to the Pelicans who've been playing a lot better lately. I know we looked it up earlier. They're the sixth seed. They're only one game out of the five seed behind uh, the Thunder. And the teams that are in front of them are expected to be in front of them. These are the power five, and they're the best team besides them. And, of course, they are a game within the Thunder. They are competing. They won last night. Of course, it's the Bulls. But the Bulls have been playing pretty well. Uh, Cousins and Davis, you're going to play half like half games like this. You'll, you'll compete. So keep this up, and you guys actually have a shot. Yeah, but still, that's the thing that worries me, too, is that they needed double overtime with these monster games from both of their stars to beat the Bulls, who, yeah, they've been playing better, but they're still not a good team. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so really quickly before we move on, I know we both want to get into the Jason Kidd stuff. If you're the Pelicans, right now you're sitting at the sixth seed in the West. You got a pretty good shot of making the playoffs. Do you explore trading DeMarcus Cousins? Is that at least a thought for you? Yeah, uh, it's a thought for me, 100%. You have a player that it's rumored he's going to walk away in the offseason. Of course, with Anthony Davis being there, it's a better chance he's going to stay. But if they slip in as the eighth seed and get knocked out in the first round in four games or five games, he's going to walk, in my opinion. But if they can if they can win a first-round series and go to the second round with, you know, it shows that this is just not their year, but it's coming – He'll stay. It's just so up in the air because they're such a borderline team. And just like we said, they don't have depth and they don't have a plan much past the two of them. So at some point, Cousins is going to be sick of just filling the statue by himself and go explore a super team or go to win a championship. 
So the Pelicans have to act now. If they want to keep him there, they're going to have to work very hard this offseason. And just like we said, they're not going to have a ton of money. They don't have a ton of assets. It's not going to be an easy job for them to just bring in players around those two this season and make it happen now. So for me, you definitely listen to offers for Boogie. You hear, you know, that Nets pick from the Cavs. You hear the kind of package that they can put together, even the Celtics, any of these teams that are looking to, you know, explore, that you know, that want to compete now. Take advantage of that. Get some depth on your team. Build assets. Do whatever you can. Just keep Anthony Davis there at least because he is the nucleus of that team. And Boogie can be as well. If you want to let AD walk and keep Boogie, it's interchanging for me. It doesn't matter. But to have the two of them there is something special. And they need to act now if that's going to work. But if it's not going to work within a year or two, definitely listen to it because you can bring in a giant haul for a guy like Boogie Cousins. I don't know. What are you thinking about this? Well, you say if it's not going to work in a year or two, it has to work this year. Cousins is a free oh, yeah, agent yeah, you're right. after this year. Um, I think that as it stands right now, if the Pelicans going to be somewhere in that six to eight seed, there's a chance they might not make the playoffs. I think they will. Make it. Yeah, I think if they make the playoffs, they're going to lose in the first round to whoever they play if their team stays as currently constructed. Well, and yeah, I think, I mean, if they're the six to eight seed, they're yeah, going to be playing yeah, yeah, seeds yeah. one, but two, or three. If that happens, I think there's a slightly higher chance that Cousins leaves than stays. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he's gone. I think about 45 55 split that he in favor of him leaving. I agree. It's totally up in the air. But. When you have a 45% chance of keeping one of the best big men in the NBA, it's really tough to part with him. And just knowing that you're really just one piece away from being a legitimate contender. I think even, we mentioned how they don't have many assets, but if there's some way for them to get involved in the Kemba Walker sweepstakes, which I don't, it looks like they might be trading him, might not be trading him. Michael Jordan said they're not going to be trading him unless they get an all-star like Kawhi Leonard back, which... That's not happening. Pelicans don't have many assets in terms of draft picks from other teams. They do have all of their draft picks going forward, so they could try to maneuver some type of a trade involving future picks. But Or you go the other route and you have to you know, bring on a couple extra picks on top of yours and try and build within the draft like what the Lakers and teams like that are trying to do. But then again, we're going back to the you have to do it now and right. you're talking about development and all that stuff. So, I mean... There's not a lot of options. No, I think if they could somehow make a trade happen for Kemba Walker or some other player of his type of caliber, Boogie then stay in I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he stays either, but it definitely shifts well, For it. me, this is, what, this is what I'm looking at. For teams, when you are a free agent superstar and you're looking to leave, nowadays in the NBA, you're looking to pair up with at least two other stars, if not superstars. I know it's, it's, a, ter- it's a terrible thing now, and players aren't trying to just pull a Kobe Bryant or, you know, anything like that, stay with that team or, you know, anything like that. But with, you know, with him, he's already got someone there. If they bring in one more person, that is their power three. That is their chance. That is the best you're going to get unless you cop out, leave, and somehow get to go sign with the Warriors or get to go sign with a team that's already set and you're just going to go pull a Kevin Durant and just go add to it. You already kind of have the best base you can get. So if they can pull one more person, that's just the equivalent of what you're going to do if you're going to pull out of that contract and go look to sign at a place that has superstars just waiting for you. Yeah, and also let's say theoretically that they do end up getting Kemba Walker somehow this year. Even if it doesn't work with him in the lineup this year where they're still 
seven, eight seed and they lose right away in the playoffs. Just management showing that they're doing whatever they possibly can do to they're win. Committed. Yeah, that's something that free it's agents, exactly top tier free agents, really want to see. Yeah, exactly. They show, they show. It didn't even if it didn't work with the big three that they have there now with Carmelo and Paul George. At least they showed they're committed to Russ. They're committed to winning and winning now. So they went out, got two superstars. I'm sure it was superstars of his choice. Figured it out with limited assets in a small market. Showed that they would do absolutely anything to keep him there and show that they're committed to winning. And he signed his extension. So take a page out of the you know Sam Presti's book. Right, right. So I know we said we we're going to try to get through this quickly. We spent a little more time on the topic than we planned. But it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Interesting to talk about. So with that, let's get into probably the biggest news in the NBA over the past few days. Um, Did Jason you guys hear Kidd, that Jason Kidd got fired? <laughs> unless they were sleeping under a rock, probably. <laughs> But yeah, yesterday Jason Kidd was officially fired by the Milwaukee Bucks, no longer their head coach. And what's interesting is just the, really just how much Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Bucks' best player by far, fought to keep him. And interesting how management really didn't, didn't, don't want to say didn't care, but they didn't confer, confer with him first before... They went ahead and fired Jason Kidd. So if you were the Bucks, I'm trying to think of exactly what question to ask. If you're the Bucks and you know that your star player, and I think Giannis has two or three years left on his deal, but there's already been reports that he's going to look to leave Milwaukee as soon as he can. If you know that the head coach you have right now is Giannis's super Mentor. close, super close with Giannis, and that Giannis would be completely devastated if you let him go. Do you let him go, even if it is the right decision? Because the Bucks no, are the Bucks are the eight because... seed. The Bucks are the eight seed in the Eastern Conference, and they should be a lot higher. Jason Kidd has not been doing that great with the Bucks as a team, but with mentoring Giannis and turning him into a great player, he's done phenomenal work. Well, this is my this is how I looked at it the second I heard about it. Why now? And there's no reason why right now, because the reports are that this job is they're going to keep their interim head coach in there for the rest of the year, and they're not going to go for a replacement until after the season. So why fire him now? You're still in the playoff hunt. You're barely the eighth seed. And they talk about the eighth seed. They barely slipped into the eighth seed from the seventh seed. This, you know, seed six through nine are all within a game or two. So next thing you know, you go on a two-game win streak and you're back at the you know seventh seed, creeping up to the sixth. So they need to stop overreacting about he fell into the eighth seed. That's not a thing. You have Giannis on your team. You win one game and you're back in the seventh seed at this point. Yeah, well. If you're in the ninth. If you're the nine or the ten seed and you're on like a four game losing streak, then we can talk how you're not making, you know, maximizing the talent on your team. But for me, you keep them there until you you screw it up. This what you're going to win a championship series with an interim head coach. You know, maybe if you get super super lucky and these players all of a sudden want to play for this coach, but you just said it. Their best player. That was how he felt about Kid. All he wanted to do was work hard for Kid. Every report that I read was that there were. Thick as thieves, uh, Giannis was, quote, devastated when he first heard about it. And this was before they officially even told Jason Kidd yet. This got out before Kidd found out, according to our sources. Uh, but, yeah, according to Chris B. Haynes from ESPN, Giannis was, quote, devastated when he found out. You're going to devastate one of the best players in the world 
you're a, a young management group with all, you know you're willing to spend the money you got a new arena you got a team that people actually care about for the first time you have young players you have a superstar you have an attractive head coach jason kidd is a a fans coach because of his name he's been a great player you give him a chance he didn't drive you out of the playoffs you're not the milwaukee bucks that are anything special you are a six to an eight seed right now until you're about one or two moves or about one or two years away from Giannis's progression to call yourself more than that right now because you didn't you haven't filled them up you got Bledsoe in there you know you got other players and they're trying but they're not at that point yet there's no reason to give up on Jason Kidd you ride him into the playoffs you see what he can do if he wins or if he doesn't win if it's not a championship he's fired that's it but you at least show you're dedicated to Giannis you're dedicated to the plan you let him ride this one out if you couldn't do it again this is two years that there was a lot of hope in Milwaukee that just got absolutely thrashed in the playoffs because they just got knocked out like it's nothing, then I get it. But right now, it's premature. Giannis isn't happy. No one's happy. It's probably split in Milwaukee with the fan base who liked him, who didn't like him. But it doesn't matter. Now you've got, you know, it's divided. Nothing is going to go well in Milwaukee right now. You've got an interim head coach. Giannis isn't happy. So this was a bad move. Well, I, saw that, now. The, I saw the fans in Milwaukee, for the most part, were happy that kid was let go and also just really quickly so the bucks are the seven seed right now i guess um they i don't know they're a game oh half a game ahead of the sixers so I oh guess yeah they, they were the eight seed and they beat the Suns last night now they're yeah. the seven seed. Okay. just like i yeah. said it's, it's coin flip between you know six to nine at this point so it was stupid for them to overreact about oh we right. fell into the eighth seed because i saw that on multiple reports i agree with you on the why now because firing him right now versus the end of the season what difference does it make? You have an interim and If head they were going to go after who, a coach right now, that would make sense. Yeah, no, they're not. Because also there are coaches that have jobs in the NBA right now that the Bucks opening is a very attractive job. Even head coaches in the NBA, there are some that would rather want to go coach there and might try to work out it's some the, way to the go It's the most there. attractive job. you got the one of the best young players in the world. You have a managed, you have the front office that's willing to spend the money, a brand new stadium, a fan base that's finally in it. That's the best job you can get right now. Yes, but with that, I think that after, if I was the Bucks, I wouldn't have fired him in the middle of the year, but after this year, if the Bucks had continued to struggle the rest of this year, even though my best player, Giannis, loves my head coach at some point, you have to do what's right for the organization, and right. you have and, to maybe, risk. Maybe bring it, bring it up now. Bring up the rumors now. Talk to Giannis. Show that this is a possibility. But you don't make any final decision yet. You let this play out. But they just did it out of nowhere. Didn't even talk. Didn't even tell Kid. Apparently, he found out about an hour or two after all the reports came out. Well, yeah, Giannis. Giannis, Giannis had called. Giannis it's... called him and said like 15 minutes before Kid oh, yeah. officially found out that he got fired. He said. What can I do? I'll call my agent. I'll call the GM. I'll do anything. What can I do to help you stay? And then Kid basically just said it's already done. Look at that. Giannis is calling Kid, being like, "What can I do, Coach? Can I call my my agent? Can I just pull the plug on my contract? Like, what can I do? Anything right now, just to keep you here? That's what the fuck are you doing? Excuse my language, guys, but like, you got Giannis on your team. He is out of any player in the league right now. Who would you want to start a team around? Giannis, that's it. He's young. He's getting better and better and better every single year. We don't even know how good this guy's going to be. He's that good. He's just getting crazy. 
you don't want to build a team around anyone else. LeBron's going to retire, you know, before, you know, he reaches his prime. Like, LeBron's getting older. Of course, LeBron's still great. But Giannis is so young. People don't even understand how young he is. And he's just finally getting into his body. I, it just baffles me. Jason Kidd, I liked him as a coach. I know you said he was more of an old-school approach. I liked him because... People know his name. He's young. He's on the sidelines. He's connected with his players. Clearly, he's a mentor to Giannis. I've heard that about multiple other players on that team as well. One thing I did hear, though, was that him and Jabari Parker haven't been on talking terms for the last few months. Just want to put that out there really quick. So, Kid might not have won their entire roster over. Because Jabari Parker, who also hasn't been playing, he's just kind of just been not there, is what I've been told. And that they haven't had a positive conversation in months. But Giannis and him are best friends, and that's the only one that matters to me. Yeah, Jabari Parker, I mean, people just completely forget about him. He had that torn ACL. That was about a year ago. He's got to be close to returning, I would think. And hopefully. I don't know, so. I mean, he was playing really well when he went down. But yeah, you talk about how young Giannis is and saying people don't even know how young he is. Well, he's 23 years old, so yeah, very young. But like I was saying... Eventually, at some point, you just got to do what's right for the organization, not what's right for your best player. And Giannis, as much as he might love Jason Kidd, you still have him under contract for, I believe, another two years at least after right, this trapped, year. But you so, don't do it no, no, now. but you give him, bring in a coach that you think is the right fit, and then maybe Giannis gets to experience what it's like being under a better head coach. Maybe a better head coach for him. Certainly. There are better head coaches for the organization out there. Um, one of the biggest knocks and the reason that ultimately led to Jason Kidd's dismissal, one of the reasons was his old school approach to it, approach to the game. And that's something that you can just bring in a new coach for Giannis. Yes, he might be a little hesitant at first, but just show him that there are other ways other coaches can get through to him and be a great mentor to him. Not saying Jason Kidd wasn't. Jason Kidd was a phenomenal mentor for Giannis. Basically, he didn't put him in a box and put him in a corner. He let Giannis, he put the ball in Giannis's hands. He said, go out, be the point guard for this team, handle the ball, no one to distribute, no one to score. And that really opened everything up, opened the whole game up for Giannis. But the problem is that the team did not progress the same way that Giannis was. And Correct. you can't, it's just, it's, it you can't, right back. but you can't you fire, right you can't fire a, you can't keep a head coach on just because you're scared that your best player might leave you in two years if you fire him. Because the head coach, Jason Kidd, you're not going to win a championship with him. Not the way that it was currently going. Not in the but with your, but with your uh, now interim head coach, you're going to win a championship? No, I'm not well, saying for this year. No, Perry, Perry, I told you that I would not have fired him in the middle of this year. But at the end of this year, if they had struggled, yeah, I'd fire him and bring in a different Done. coach and see what can happen. Because if your only concern is keeping Giannis, I know this might sound weird, but your concern, yes, you want to keep Giannis, but that's not your ultimate concern. Your ultimate concern is winning a championship. And yes, I know that that seems a little odd because keeping Giannis means a better chance at a championship, but you've got to make moves along the way, and you can't just defer to your superstar on every single move. As the general manager, as people in the front office, it's your job to bring in the best coach possible for your team, your job to make the best decisions That's for true, your but team. Like, let me talk about this. Now the Suns have officially released statements that 
all personnel moves, including coaching moves, player moves, anything, all go through Devin Booker now as well because he's earned that trust in that organization and he's earned that rapport. And they know that without him, their plans aren't plans. It's the same thing with them. Without Giannis there, they're not talking about a championship anymore. They're talking about making the eighth seed again someday. With Giannis, they have a chance of going all year. So you keep him no matter what because that's your only chance of winning a thing. Not that that means you keep jason kidd there because Giannis demands so but you have a conversation with him you know you let him know here's what we're thinking about doing all this stuff don't make it to where reports say Giannis is devastated reports say Giannis has been blowing up some kid trying to figure out things to do to keep his job this was so dramatic not needed and now Giannis is upset a little bit and before i know there's never been any problems with him in the organization before so I'm not saying that this is now the end of it. This was they just screwed it up because he's going to stay regardless. He's under contract right now. But you need to keep your best players happy. You need to keep them with the plan. You need to keep them like Joel Embiid, who is so dedicated to the process that I'm pretty sure that's his legal name now. I'm, yes, it, but but, but Perry, seriously, he's Perry, on the plan. You need to keep him on the plan. Perry, you bring up the Suns and how everything's going through Devin Booker now. Just because they did that, that doesn't mean that's the right move. I don't agree well, with that. Have a, they're not saying it's his decision, but they're saying they're going to include him in the conversation so he at least knows what's going on, and that's what you should do around your future. Okay, but then when something comes up, when something comes up, whether it's the Suns with Devin Booker or the Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo, if something comes up where management, well, nothing, nothing management, serious has came but up. if something serious does come up, let's say for the Suns, since you brought them up, where management, let's say they're looking for a new head coach management thinks that one coach would be the best decision. Devin Booker wants a different coach who management does not think is going to be good for them at all. Devin Booker especially, even more than Giannis, Devin Booker's still on his rookie contract. It's his third year in the league. Once he goes into free agency, he's going to be a restricted free agent. He's not going to go against their whole front office. This is like a conversation. You're in the conversation, you at least have an opinion, or at least you know what's going on so you're not blindsided and don't look like an idiot. Yes, and that's but what Giannis I, looked like calling Jason Kidd like it's his you know high school coach. Being coach, what can I do? Can I can I kick someone's butt so that you can keep your job? Like it, you have a conversation with him, you keep this professional because there's nothing that happened to Jason Kidd or this team that caused them to be like it has to happen now. Their excuse was that they fell into the eighth seed. Now they're the seventh seed because they won one game last night. Like they're overreacting. It's stupid. They have an interim head coach now. They should have kept Kidd or at least had a conversation with Giannis and then fired him. But look, the Bucks have still been underperforming. We're both in agreement we sh- that they shouldn't have right. fired Jason Kidd right now. Changes had to be but, made, just not right this second. But you look at the teams ahead of the Bucks. So let's go down the six teams that are ahead of the Bucks right now, and you tell me if that team has more or less talent than the Bucks. So the Celtics, the one seed, I think we'll both agree, yes, they're more talented than the yes. Bucks. They should be ahead of them. The Raptors is the two seed. What do you think? Yes. I actually, I think it's very close just because of how incredibly gifted Giannis is. And they also have Eric Bledsoe. They got DeRozan's numbers, his advanced metrics. Yeah, DeRozan's been great. Okay, so you know what? The same as Kobe's MVP season in 2000. Let's say, that's why you can't always trust advanced metrics because... But dude, like Lowry and Ibaka and him are a solid three and they have a decent team around them and they're playing well. No one one except advanced metrics people are going to say that 
DeMar DeRozan is having as good of a year as Kobe did his MVP season. I'm not, I didn't say that. I'm no, just I'm not saying, saying you did. His, his, I'm not year, saying. his year is his, he's having a great year. Yeah, and he's an he all-star is, starter. And oh. they they just they are more talented as a team. Okay, so you know what? I'll give you that. I'll say Raptors should be ahead of them. The Cavs in the three seed, yes, obviously. With everything that's going on in Cleveland, they still have incredible talent. Probably the most talented team in the East. I think you actually said Cavs for number one. So Celtics is number one, Cavs in three. No, I'm just saying, perfect. I know, I'm saying in terms of just talent level, they're the most talented team in the East. Okay, so now number four, the Miami Heat. No, the Bucks definitely have more talent than them, right? I agree. Okay. They're playing a lot better than they are. The Wizards at number five. Yeah, I'd say the Wizards have more they, talent than they are. The Wizards are another team that's kind of been underperforming. And then the Pacers at number six. No way in hell should they be ahead of the Bucks. Nope. So, okay, so with me giving you the Raptors, there are four teams that are more talented than the Bucks in the East. So they're the seven seed right now. We say they should be the five seed. Oh, oh, you know, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you got a ton of season left to go, and you're overreacting on a very tight race right now. They're, they didn't fall to the 10th seed. And yeah, and the they're, they're only a game and a half out of the 5 seed. Wizards are in the saying. 5 seed it's right so now. It's so neck and neck. It's, they overreacted, and the fact that they use that as an excuse, and I read that from every source that we follow, that that was one of the reasoning, it just kept driving me crazy, because I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about right now. They're cool. in the playoffs still, and they're... Two wins, two wins, a two-game winning streak away from being all of a sudden they're the five seed, and now they're doing great. Oh, wait, two-game losing streak. Now they're the 10 seed, and now everything is going over shit. It's just a big overreaction at a bad timing. You need to give this to the end of the season because the interim head coach isn't going to do anything special. Look, we've got to move on to the next topic. But yeah. Yeah, we both agree that the Bucks shouldn't have fired Jason Kidd before the end of this year. You think that they probably should have given him even more time, I think, if they had struggled the rest of this year, that he should have been fired at the end of this no, year. I, I, no, I agree. Uh, if they, oh, you I, do I guess My, my quote-unquote earlier was, if it wasn't a championship, you're fired. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right. it. But you give him to the end of the year. Let's move on to the next topic. So another big story that's going around the NBA is just the Cavaliers and everything that's been going on with them. I believe since Christmas they have two wins. They have the worst point differential in the second half of games since Christmas. For some reason, just since Christmas, they've just completely imploded. Um, yeah, well, really quick before you move on, I have a stat right here that I was going to bring up. LeBron James from three-point this season before Christmas, yeah, 40.6% now down after, after Christmas, 18.6%. Yeah. He can't make a three-pointer for his life after Christmas. And more just on LeBron's play since Christmas. So his points per game are down to 22 points per game. Like you mentioned, three-point shooting way down. And then also he's averaging five turnovers per game. So he's not doing the Cavaliers any favors for sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Cavs have just completely imploded since Christmas. There's a report that they had an emotional team meeting yesterday after their embarrassing loss at home to the Thunder. I believe the final score was 148 to 124, something like that. That was the most points that it tied the record for the most points ever given up in Cleveland Cavaliers franchise history. It was the most points ever given up by a team LeBron James was playing on. And it broke the previous record for LeBron James team was set just a few weeks earlier when they played the Raptors. So They've been struggling 
Yeah, you're you're just breaking the wrong type yeah. of history. Yeah, and their defense has just been non-existent. Um, but yeah, there was an emotional team meeting yesterday where the Cavaliers players tried to sort through everything that's going on, and the one player that they were pretty much singling out was Kevin Love. He played three minutes in that loss to the Thunder, 0 for 2 shooting, subbed himself out, said he wasn't feeling well. He ended up leaving the game before the game was over. He left the stadium, went home. He didn't come to practice the next day. And that's something that it seems a lot of players on the Cavaliers have taken a big issue with. Yeah, they they think he's you know not telling the truth when it comes to his illness, quote-unquote. But I didn't expect. I haven't heard much about Kevin Love this year. I haven't heard much about the details about their, you know, the team internally. So it's kind of crazy to see the team on a meeting. Everyone's turning towards Kevin Love because it doesn't seem like he's the problem there. It seems like there's other players that, you know, are have much larger personalities and are a lot bigger of an issue to have on that team. But who knows? All I know is that just like I tweeted when I found this out from our NBA and Rap Twitter. Expect a trade or two to happen with the deadline approaching, of course. Cavaliers rumors have been floating around, of course, uh, talking about DeAndre Jordan and George Hill, all these different rumored players that they've been trying to figure out a trade for. Expect them to unload some of that roster. I'm not saying a ton, but you got to fix something in here because since our all-things-Cavs edition, what was that, a few months ago? Ever was, since then to now, the it's still started. drama. Yeah. And also, it's, just it's going going back to that emotional team meeting, there was other blame to go around, too. So the players, there was a report that came out before the team meeting that different players on the Cavaliers just felt that the team, as currently constructed, was not a championship-caliber team. You never right. want to hear that from your players, not having any I heard, belief I heard in that themselves. that comes from LeBron's mouth. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, LeBron even said that something along the lines of they're not residents of the land right now or they don't deserve to be part of the land um, just because of the way that they're playing. And also in that emotional team meeting, there was sentiment among players kind of blaming their general manager, Kobe Altman, for just the the culture surrounding the team and allowing it to get this bad as far as just how everything is going and not being able to trust each other and have confidence in each other. A lot of that well, yeah, is being put on the ground. Kyrie's manager. fault, and then you get rid of Kyrie, and now whose fault is it now? It's just a bad culture there, and we've been saying that for a long time now. They need to get a new coach who can bring an actual system in there and you know, be stern and actually have control of a team, regardless if LeBron James is on the team or not. You need to bring in someone that's special. You need to cut off half these players. Tristan Thompson does not need to be on that team. J.R. Smith does not need to be on that team. Some of these players, just just to me, just from the eye, they just look so cancerous. You see J.R. Smith with this sour face on his, you know, just on the bench, just doing nothing. It's not like he does anything anymore but talk crap and smoke weed. So it's And Tristan Thompson is just a dead body out there who can't even put up a layup or grab a rebound anymore. I've, since last season, I've been the I, I hate Tristan Thompson, so I might be a little <laughs> prejudiced here, a little biased. But you know, there's players on that team that don't belong on that team, and they're not the formula to a championship roster. Isaiah Thomas needs to stay on that team. He's a player that when he's playing right, he's a player you need to win a championship next to LeBron. That seems perfect to me. Crowder, he's a you know he's a pitbull type player. He's just always going. He's always running. He's always hustling. I like players like that. Players that are all in the media don't give a crap, you know what I mean? Like, we don't need Tristan, you don't need Tristan Thompson, you don't need JR. 
the two players I would target on, you know, getting rid of even Kevin Love with his name floating around these meetings. See what you can get in return for him, because clearly he's not the most liked Cavalier, and it's not like he's, you know, the answer to them winning a championship either. And you could actually get a serious haul in for Kevin Love if you pick the right situation. So, uh, you know, if you're Cody Altman in the Cavs, you need to make some moves. Yeah, it's crazy because when the Kyrie Irving trade happened, we both said that the Cavs got a lot more than either one of us expected. And we were saying how they might be a better team this year than they were last year just because of all of the extra pieces they put put around LeBron James. And this team should be a lot better than it is. They shouldn't have this many issues. They added Dwayne Wade in the offseason. I know Dwayne Wade isn't the Dwayne Wade that we think about. He's not a superstar anymore, but he's still a very good player, serviceable player. Great role player, yeah. You got Isaiah Thomas, who... He's coming back from that hip injury, and he's not 100% yet. He's even said it himself. So you got to give that a little bit of time. But still, Jay Crowder, who last year had a great season, he's been struggling this year. You look at Derrick Rose last year on the Knicks. He had a really good year. And this year, he's been missing from team meetings. They've had no idea where he is at times. Or he's just taken a sabbatical for a few weeks where he didn't want anything to do with basketball to reconsider his entire career if he wanted to keep playing. And when he has been playing, he hasn't really done much. Yeah, and then Kevin Love. I mean, Kevin Love's had a good year, statistically speaking, when you look at his stats. But he's never been a good fit on the Cavs along LeBron James. LeBron James, ideally, he loves to have have the ball in his hands, have – three guard, small forward type players around him who can space the floor and hit threes, and then one rim protector. When you have Kevin Love in the game, if you're going to put him at the five, then there's no rim protector for LeBron James. And if you put him at the four, yes, he can stretch the floor, but then on defense, he's a huge liability. He's a liability against fives, but he's even a bigger liability against fours. And, yeah, I just think, Something obviously needs to be done. There needs to be some trades to be made. The players on the team, Kevin Love, I think you got to explore, see if you can what you can get for him. Not necessarily have to trade him, but just obviously explore that. Well, Nets, you know, if you fear the Cavs, you offer Kevin Love and the Brooklyn Nets pick to the Pelicans for Boogie immediately. Oh, that's <laughs> that's you, way and, too much to give up. You think so? You wouldn't give That's, up Kevin Love and your Nets pick? I don't think you'd have to. No, I wouldn't do that if I was the For Cavs Boogie? anyways. I don't think you have to give up that much. If Because you if the Pelicans... Because I, I, I think that's pretty fair right there. I would take that from both sides. And no, feel the, like both my teams were improving. The Pelicans... If DeMarcus Cousins... If they feel like Cousins is staying and they don't want to trade him then they're not trading him for Kevin Love and that Brooklyn Nets first pick. I'd rather want to but, 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 but if the Pelicans are thinking, yeah, let's trade Cousins, because it's either they're not going to trade him or else they've decided, yes, we're trading him, and whatever we can get, the highest bid we can possibly get for him, that's what we're going to get. A trade centered around just that Nets draft pick, and then you got to throw in some other pieces too, but that should be enough to get you Boogie Cousins. You don't... I mean, the Celtics are obviously going to be competition, too. They got a lot of draft picks to offer as well. But no, I don't think you have to give up that much for Boogie Cousins. One player in a draft pick, and one player but who's Kevin, not well-liked on the team, and, you know, and not just saying that Cousins has to be the only person that comes back. You can also, you know, 
pair him up with someone else, like a, a weaker player on a contract to make the numbers match, anything like that. But but if you trade, I'm if not, you get this, rid of this wasn't from this wasn't from the Pelicans either. This I know. was from the Cavs. I said you need to go at least offer that immediately, or look at your options to pair up with Kevin Love to bring in other pieces or something like that, because he is your most attractive piece. Look, if I'm the Cavs. If I had to give up Kevin Love and that first round pick for Cousins, I'd consider it. I wouldn't necessarily. You do it. No, I wouldn't necessarily just okay. You, you know do what? It, we're going to do that is walking because year, so that's your only chance of winning a championship. You get right Demarcus now. Cousins, then yes, your offense is going to be better. But does that solve? Kevin Love is a serious liability on does, defense. It's not like Cousins. It's not like Cousins thing. is a great defensive player. But you're not looking. It's to not like he's a rim, on, on defense. You need a rim protector, but you need a rim protector. Wait, wait, wait. What did you say? You're not looking to improve not, on defense? You don't need to look on to improve defense for the Cavs. Their, the Cavs' whole, defense has been horrible. Their whole goal is just to score more and more and more points. But they they're need not looking, defense. They're not looking for defensive help. That's not yes, they, win the they completely are. Defense wins no, championships. If they're, if they're looking for a package, yes, you're going to get a defensive player, this, that, this. But if you're looking for one player, you're not looking for a defender. Because that's not winning you the championship right now. Because you need to keep LeBron James there. You bring in a guy like Boogie Cousins. or There's not, there's literally not no other name I could bring off the top of my head right now that can win them a championship with one trade. And that's the only person I can say. I'm not guaranteeing it. But you got LeBron James, Isaiah Thomas, you got Boogie, you got a team like that. That's a team that can beat the Warriors. That's a team that can beat the Rockets. I'm not saying they're going to, but that's a team that's equipped to. You bring in an extra defender who's just an elite defender who can't put much up on the offensive end or anything else regarding like that. Like, it's just, it's not enough. It's just not enough because LeBron can't carry it by himself. IT's not that guy. It's just, they're not the land. You need to bring someone in that all of a sudden to LeBron makes him feel like they're the land. Or he's going to walk and come to L.A., which is fine with me and you. But uh, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to have problems with Kevin Love and he's on a contract to where at some point he's just going to ride it out and then sign another massive contract somewhere else, you might as well trade him because you're not going to have LeBron for very much longer. Yeah, but... I don't know, I you think... want to you, you win now, or you don't win at all. It's not like an intricate thing now. As soon as LeBron's gone, their chance of winning a championship follows with it. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously. But so that you, you next... gotta act, you gotta act now, or just hope that LeBron's confident that this is the team that's going to win them a championship, and he openly said it's not. It's you just, know, if you trade, you trade that Nets pick, and you get rid of. Kevin Love, you're... But the Nets pick's not going to help them with, with LeBron. It's going to help them recover from LeBron. I know, because if if you do that trade and you get Cousins, which, again, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm saying if you just trade the first-round pick and you can somehow keep Kevin Love, then yes, definitely. They're not going to accept that. I... It depends on other offenses. You're going to have to pair a bunch of players if you'd like to dismantle that Cavaliers squad really quick. Well, they they probably wouldn't mind that. First round pick, Tristan Thompson, probably (laughs) Channing Fry, J.R. Smith. That's still not enough. The whole draw for the Pelicans is just to get a good pick back for someone who, if they're going to trade him, it's because they feel like, okay, he's gone after this year. But the, yeah, the Pelicans have showed that they're confident that he's staying by 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 reporting that they're not trading him and that they're happy. At some point, you need to at least entertain offers to at least see. 
because their possibility is there, especially if you're just going to make the seven or eight seed. And, well, you know, yeah, but if I'm, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm confident that they're going further this year. If I'm the, the Pelicans, have to stand. If I'm the Pelicans, though, and I feel like, yeah, I'm confident Cousins is staying, I'm not trading him for the Nets pick, who are currently the eighth worst record in the NBA. Um, and Kevin that Lowry and Kevin Love. No chance. Not if I think um, I'm staying. Not if I think Cousins is staying. But that's if you think he's staying. You just aren't sure. And at this point, you know that you don't have the team because you don't have a, you have five players that play all the minutes, and everybody else can't play. You're not no, but you were saying past. you were saying that there was a report that the uh, Pelicans are confident that he'll stay. Remember the remember uh, the untouchable centers that yes. we reported. That was with so Marcus if that's if that's true, I'm saying they don't even consider this offer. Oh yeah, but uh, the, you know the whole beginning of this conversation wasn't if they're going to entertain the offer. It was the fact that the Cavs need to offer it, that they need to start putting together okay. some stuff because if they don't, they're done. Okay. Well, let's uh, just staying with the Cavs for a little bit. So LeBron James, he got some backlash today on um, all forms of social media. He posted a post on Instagram, a picture of himself when he was in high school, and it was essentially the younger LeBron James, high school LeBron James, congratulating the present-day LeBron James on what will most likely happen tonight when they play, of LeBron James being the youngest player to ever reach 30,000 points. And basically, in his post, he was just saying, you got to take a moment to appreciate it and smile and think back on all of the hard work that you've done, which is true. He should definitely appreciate this and be thankful that he's been healthy for this long and been able to do what he does at such a high level for as long as he has. But in the midst of everything that's been going on with the Cavs, everything we've been talking about, a lot of people are critical about why is he focusing on himself and congratulating himself? Does he not care about what's going on with the team? I'll ask you for your take in a second, Perry, but I think it's LeBron James just trying to deflect some of the attention off of the Cavaliers as a team because right now they don't want a ton of attention on them there's nothing good that's happening with the Cavs right now this gives and I think LeBron James thought this through he's very smart and thinks a lot of stuff through when he posts something on social media or says something I think he did this deliberately just to get ESPN and all the other media outlets something else to talk about besides the Cavaliers struggles I mean, I can see where you're coming from. It's just, uh, I don't know, I like it. I think it's, honestly, gas yourself up, dude. Like, you're the best player in the world. You are the youngest player to hit 30,000 points. Your team's a little bit of a mess right now. There's drama, just like there always is in Cleveland. But, like, what his, the whole point of his thing was, you know, take moments in like this. Take a second and smile. Take a second and realize all the hard work that's been put in. That's where he's trying to get at. He, it doesn't matter all the stuff going on around him right now. He's going to take this moment in. He's going to enjoy it. And he's going to cherish it for what it is. And, you know, it's a little weird that he's posting it the day before it's happening to me. I think if he posted this after he actually accomplished this, it would make a lot more sense. Then he'd be like, I just want to take this moment to say how much it's meant to me, how much the moment meant to me. I want to take a moment. You know what I mean? But a little bit before, it's just like, yeah, I know I'm going to hit that that mark tonight. I know it's just going to be an easy game for me tonight. I'm definitely going to hit 30,000, but, you know, I just wanted to take this moment now before I do. But either way, regardless of when you want to take that moment, I think it's cool that he is, and he doesn't care about anything else that's going on around him except for the fact that, you know, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime 
moment for him, and that's it. He's the best player in the world, and it doesn't matter. Uh, sorry, excuse me. It doesn't matter if his uh, his team is a mess right now or not. It's a big moment. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's a little weird that he is congratulating himself before it happens. He's at twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety three points. So unless he has the way he, the way he did it was a little dramatic too with the whole picture of himself in high school and all that stuff. It was a little dramatic. Yeah, but, but unless he has one of the worst games of his career, he's going to reach. Or unless he gets injured early in the game, which hopefully doesn't happen, he's going to reach thirty thousand points. Um, who knows? What if something happened like that? Like, you should wait until the game after. Okay, but regardless, <laughs> even if it doesn't happen this game, I don't think anyone, and God forbid something horrible happens to him, but barring something like that happening, I don't think anyone thinks, oh, well, he might not even reach 30,000 points. In oh, no, it's going course. to It's, it's going to happen unless it's something terrible happens, which, again, God forbid. Um, but, yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, dude, I just think I just up. think it was too I just think it was yeah. to distract the media a little bit and give them something else to talk about when talking about the Cavs other than their struggles. I like it. Maybe it's a you know a Chris Paul under the tunnel diversion tactic from from LeBron right now. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, one one more topic about the Cavs while we're still on it. David Blatt, an ex the ex coach of the Cavaliers, he took a shot at the Cavs, his ex team, because he was coaching. The All Star Game. What league is he coaching? Sorry about that. Russia, right? Uh, I don't know. I, th- some, I think he's back in Russia. That's that. where he's originally from. Uh, but regardless, he's coaching their All Star Game, and he just took a shot at the Cavs after they obviously got murdered by the Thunder. Said, "I hope we don't give up as many points as the Cavaliers gave up last night." <laughs> and the funny thing is, his team lost and gave up three more points. He gave up 151 points than the Cavs did. So he tried to troll the Cavs, and then his team went and lost, and lost by even more, even though he went and uh, said, I hope we don't give as many points as the Cavs did. Then they gave up more. So troll so soft by David Blatt on this one. Just wanted to bring that up, and uh, hope you're having fun wherever you are. (laughs) Yeah, it was a funny quote, and it doesn't surprise me at all that he's still paying attention to the Cavs. If I was him and I had been fired after... I was in first place in my conference, and their struggles when they fired Blatt were not nearly as bad as not what's going on with right now. Right now with Tyron Lou, yeah, I'd be paying attention and rooting for them to lose every single game. So I'm sure he's so, so taking I, it's some. It's just like it's kind of funny. That, that wasn't the funny part to me. It was the fact that he yeah, tried that to they lost say that, and then his team lost and gave up 151 yeah. points. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to back it up too. Yeah, I mean, uh, all right, so yeah, it was it was, it was an all star game though, so no one's gonna really play much defense. That's that's true, but then again, how good are the players in his league? But uh, we're gonna I'm gonna check that stat. We'll come back later, so I'm gonna tell you where uh, David Black okay. where he coaches later on in the podcast. But let's move on away from the Cavs and move on to the Spurs and their drama. So tons of drama in uh, you know NBA unwrapped high school this week. Um, Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs, of course. Uh, there's a little bit of Tony Parker news in here, too. But Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs, we spoke about this last podcast on how he officially has been marked as no timetable to come back, indefinite. Um, it's it's just a tough situation. And what's came out now is that him and the Spurs have a very you know screwed-up relationship. It's very off right now. Exact words were that he was distant, uh, disconnected. So, just a lot of problems with the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard right now in regards to his rehab, the plan that they've been going about, 
getting him back on the court. He doesn't agree with some of it. He doesn't like how things have been handled. So there is a lot of beef there now between the two of them. Just wanted to bring that up and see what you thought. Because this is their this is their cornerstone player. This is their franchise player moving forward. He is a rare player in the league because he's not just elite on the offensive end like what we were talking about with Boogie and with Kevin Love. This is a player that's elite on both ends. So he might be the most valuable player in the league depending on how you look at this regardless he's not even where he can be yet because of injuries but he's going to shake these off he's such a great player right now and he's and the spurs know what they have in him so for them to handle this so poorly it's a little shocking to me yeah so just to give everyone a little bit of a timeline we had mentioned on our last podcast that the spurs announced that Kawhi leonard would be out indefinitely with his quadriceps injury but just to backtrack a little bit to the middle of the preseason this year. So on September 30th, um, actually before the preseason even started, I guess, um, the Spurs initially disclosed Leonard's injury, announcing he'd miss the entire preseason because of um, what's called right quadriceps tendinopathy. Um, And Greg Popovich at the time said that he was probably going to miss the beginning of the preseason or a good deal of the preseason. So that kind of gives you an idea as to how the Spurs didn't think that it was that serious of an injury. Yeah, he was going to miss probably a few weeks, but nothing to get too concerned about. But then after Leonard missed their first 10 games of the season in October and November, Greg Popovich said, quote, it's just coming along more slowly than they expected, talking about his rehab. And then just a few days later, Popovich said that himself and the Spurs had never encountered a quadriceps issue like the one Kawhi Leonard was experiencing. And then he even elaborated saying that Tony Parker had the same injury, but even worse, that was Tony Parker had um, ruptured his quad in the playoffs last year. Um, And he was saying how Parker's injury was even worse. And he got back into the lineup seven months later. And it seemed like Parker was rehabbing quicker than Leonard, which is odd, not just because Kawhi's injury wasn't as serious as Parker's, but also Kawhi Leonard's probably eight, nine, ten years younger than Tony Parker. So right, injury, should be, you get to shake off injuries yeah, a lot better when you're that age. Quicker. But then on December 12th, Kawhi Leonard made his season debut. He scored 13 points in 16 minutes. The Spurs kept Kawhi Leonard on a minutes restriction, held him out of back-to-back games. And then on January 5th, Kawhi Leonard sustained, it was just a strained left shoulder, so nothing to do with his quad. Kawhi Leonard missed three games because of the shoulder injury. He then returned to the lineup on January 13th. He scored 19 points in 28 minutes, so his minute count was going up. However, just days later, the Spurs decided to shut him down indefinitely, sent him back to San Antonio. Um, they were in the middle of a, um, a road trip through the, I believe it was the, the Northeast. And uh, yeah, they just sent him back to San Antonio, so... Maybe Kawhi Leonard was thinking he could play through this injury, and the Spurs were thinking that it's just in the best interest of himself and the organization to just sit him out. Like we said on our last podcast, they don't need him during this um, during the regular season. They need him they for can, the playoffs. They can compete regardless, though, with or without him. Is what we came across on the last <clears throat> on the last pod was that that team is so well coached and does have such good depth that. 
without Leonard, they're still competing. But with him, they have a chance of going all the way if he's healthy and playing the way that he's played in the past. Yeah, and Greg Popovich even said after they said that Kawhi Leonard would be out indefinitely, he said that Kawhi Leonard didn't re-injure the quad. Um, he said the organization was just erring on the side of caution. He said that they just didn't feel he was ready, that his confidence wasn't there, so they decided to give him some more time. From Kawhi Leonard's perspective, yeah, if he feels like he's ready to play and the organization's holding him out, it can definitely be frustrating, but... I mean, Kawhi Leonard's not the kind of player that has this massive personality and this massive no, he's ego, the further, and he's always the headlines. He's the thing complete opposite. Yeah, exactly. He's quiet, reserved. He's... What people say, which is funny, is that he's the perfect Greg Popovich player because he's a robot. He doesn't have the emotions. He's just serious, 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 just always playing, never wanting bullcrap. So that's why this is so shocking to me because the Spurs are the same way in my eyes where they don't have a lot of issues there ever and it's such a rock of an organization and they handle things the way they handle things and... You know, players come in there to win championships or have a chance year in and year out or get, you know, the coaching they never got from Popovich. Whatever the case may be, if they draft a player and he's going to the Spurs, they know that he's going to immediately be a contributor because of the way Pop coaches. So for me, this is just so shocking on both ends because the Spurs usually handle things correctly and Kawhi Leonard's never in the headlines. So for them both to be frustrated, especially Kawhi Leonard, and for them to be clear headlines on how there's been a disconnect how he's distant, how he's not there. It's just, what did you do to mess it up this bad? Yeah, well, like, so, you know, where did, what did, where, where did you go wrong? Where did you, what did you say? Where, you know, what did you tell him then take back that really screwed with him the way it has? Because now, you know, there hasn't been much drama in San Antonio, and that was why um, the Aldridge stuff that happened last year was so shocking to you and I. Was because just like you said, I don't think there was ever a coach in the Greg Popovich tenure that was actively playing for him that requested a trade. You said that, right? Yeah, never. So you know that's why it was so shocking because no one does that and there's never problems. So Aldridge, and that's why we were all like, Aldridge just needs to shut up and play and realize where he is and how great he has it. And but now there's some more problems going on here. So is there a problem um, with Buford and the front office? Is there? Well, that's clearly there's a. That's what I was going to bring up, is that R.C. Buford said, he basically said that there's no issue, he completely said the opposite of what was reported on ESPN, no issue with Kawhi Leonard, and um, that it's just frustrating, both from an organizational standpoint and for Kawhi Leonard, that he can't be out on the floor. The Spurs, without Kawhi Leonard, they're still ranked, they're number 16 in offense, so middle of the pack, but defensively, which is what Kawhi Leonard's known for, Spurs are number two in defensive efficiency. Um, So they haven't really seen much of a drop-off on that end. Obviously, they're missing him and would be better off with him on the floor, both offensively and defensively. Um, But yeah, the thing that's so surprising is just that you don't hear that from the Spurs. When you think of the most stable organizations in sports, it's It's the the Spurs and the Patriots are probably the two most stable organizations in sports and you also had some reports about the patriots with some instability between their coach and quarterback but um just a weird year yeah um but yeah i mean i think this is all gonna blow over once Kawhi leonard's back and the spurs are challenging the warriors or the rockets whoever they are playing in the playoffs and giving them a good series i think ultimately spurs are not going to be beating the warriors this year i think they could still 
beat the Rockets with a healthy Kawhi Leonard. Um, but yeah, I mean this this I is this really is going to blow that, up. You know, he- hearing it about you know the Kemba Walker and how we won't trade him for a superstar, for example, like a Kawhi Leonard kind of thing. That just made me thinking with hearing the drama and hearing that is will his name pop up in any rumors? Because if you're the Spurs, I don't think you trade him. He is your rock for the future. He is amazing on both ends of the floor. And if you give him up, someone else is going to reap the benefits. But, you know, with him being distant, disconnected, does he request a trade? Is Do they look into it? That's my question to you. I think even if he requests a trade, he's not he's not getting traded. He still has I I agree. two years. He has three years left on his contract after this year, but that last year's a player option. So you have two years of control left of Kawhi Leonard. No, you're not trading him because especially totally more than any other organization in the NBA, if you're the Spurs, you got to be confident that whatever the issues are, you can fix them. Totally agree. But yeah, let's uh, so let's move on to the last thing we got to talk about the Spurs really quick, and we'll just hit on this super quickly. Uh, Tony Parker, I know he there was reports that we tweeted yesterday that Greg Popovich finally is passing the torch from Tony Parker as a starter on to uh, Deontay Murray. I believe I'm saying his name correctly. Yeah, uh, they're passing it on officially to him to be the starter, and Tony Parker will be joining the likes of Pal Gasol, Patty Mills on the bench, uh, Manu Ginobili, of course. Um, Tony Parker was totally okay with it. His quotes were, he told me, and I was just like, all right. That was exactly the quote. So <laughs> It's such a um, Spurs quote, too. Exactly, exactly. I was just like, it just said like in between. It was just like, all right. It was just so casual, and um, clearly they just have a way of doing things there. Back to why this is so weird with Kawhi and why problems ever hearing stemming in San Antonio are so rare. But Tony Parker is now going to be contributing off the bench. They do have a very good bench. It's a little older, of course, but you got guys like Powell and Tony Parker contributing off it now, and Manu Ginobili and Patty Mills, who I believe should be the starter at point guard. But it's okay. He's a great contributor and can spread the floor off the bench. Maybe they want Murray, who's more of a control um, playmaking point guard, just in regards to seeing the floor and passing i don't really know his game all too well all i know is that tony parker's getting older and this seems like the right move so parker's okay with it just like most of them and san antonio they're okay with it as long as pop's okay with it. yeah i think the reason why they go with murray over patty mills patty mills is a solid contributor and he's going to continue to be a good contributor off the bench although patty mills is a really good three-point shooter and murray has not been able to develop his outside shot yet. He's still young. Murray's much more athletic. He can penetrate, get to the probably rim, better, and then probably better point guard. Yeah, and dish out and find the. He just he puts more pressure on the defense. Yes, there's pressure on a defense when someone can shoot a three, but that ability to penetrate and get to the rim that just keeps right, you on your heels a little bit more. Bring off the bench, and having that guy you can bring off the bench to hit a hit a shot that you need is also needed. So having Patty Mills off the bench that's able to hit a good three from the corner and have Murray set him up is even deadlier than having him constantly in the lineup. Yeah, and then also Murray being the much younger player, this is only his second or third year in the league. You want to give him experience. He's he looks to be the future point guard for the Spurs moving forward, the point guard of the future. So, yeah, I mean, give him every chance you possibly can. Yeah, develop him. So I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think this was super casual. Tony Parker had no problem with it. So now moving forward, you won't really be seeing Parker too much in the uh, starting lineup bearing injuries. 
Yeah, exactly. um, so let's move on from the drama that we started our show off uh, with, with, of course, Jason Kidd and the Cavs and Spurs, so super juicy beginning. But let's move on to the All-Star starters, um, something that we tweeted out the second that they got released. Uh, I know there was two team captains, of course, being Steph Curry and LeBron James. But let's, uh, let's read these starters, starting with the East. We got LeBron James. Joel Embiid, Giannis, Kyrie Irving, and uh, DeMar DeRozan. So what are your thoughts on the East? Uh, I I think it's the right five players. I think there's a debate, a small debate to be had between if Embiid or Kristaps Porzingis should have started, but Embiid's had the better year. The Sixers has a better year. And the Sixers have a better record than the Knicks. So. Porzingis deserves to be a reserve yeah, 100%. And he definitely will to be. To be a starter, Joel Embiid deserves this not. Embiid's been... And DeMar DeRozan deserves this too, just like we were talking about earlier. He's having a great year. He's yeah. averaging like 25 points a game, five assists, five, five rebounds kind of thing. So, or it might even be a little bit more. So, Yeah, and there will be some people who are, <laughs> who will try to say that John Wall should get a nod over DeMar DeRozan. But it's the kind of, it's the kind of year that that team's having too. Exactly. It's not Raptors, Raptors are I mean, the yeah, second DeMar DeRozan, scene. something that's really cool, I saw a quote from him because he did go to USC. He's from L.A., he was talking about what a dream this is and how he's just like a little kid right now and he can't even believe it. It's just shows how excited he truly is and how, of course, he plays basketball in another country, technically. He's, yeah. you know, they're in Toronto. So for him to not just be able to come back here and he's coming back home and he gets all his family get to see him in his first All-Star start. So congratulations to Mark Rosen. Well, I didn't realize that he had never started a game before. I think Kyle Lowry started an All-Star game before, right? Yeah, I don't believe DeMar DeRozan started an All-Star game. Yeah. No, yeah. he has not. But yeah, yeah well, no, I think I think Lowry started. Well, congratulations to DeMar DeRozan then. And uh, yeah, definitely yeah. definitely the right choice. So, yeah, no, he's having a great year. And congrats. Yeah. But yeah, so let's move on to the West. I'll let you not announce these ones. Okay, yeah. So the West, like you mentioned, Perry, Steph Curry is the captain, so he had the most votes of anyone on the West. Joining Steph Curry in the backcourt is going to be James Harden. Well, could be. There's going to be a draft to decide who's on what team, but from the West, we got Curry, James Harden, and then in the front court, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. I think the voters for this one, honestly, the only thing that I could really debate on is if Westbrook, Westbrook should have been starting over Steph, the captain. That's, but That's it, yeah. But Curry, I mean, when you leave part of this up to the fans, Curry's just so popular, so much more right. popular. I mean, than, it's just the fact that Steph missed some time this year with injury. That's the yeah, only thing yeah. that would make me put Westbrook in there instead. But, of course, he's the team captain. He is one of the most popular players in the league. And Westbrook's going to be playing immediately anyways. He's going to be a reserve, so... Yeah, this, uh, this is this I think, isn't. I think they got these right. This isn't as bad as last year when Westbrook was averaging a triple double and didn't start. I know that was a snub, yeah. but at least they made up for it at the end of the year by giving him the MVP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but sure yeah, let's talk about Anthony Davis and Cousins. Both of them, uh, both starting big men for the West, or at least coming in from the West, of bearing this draft. So it's well deserved. Two yeah. guys from the same team. It's very Durant Steffish. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, <laughs> okay, so if you, I don't know how they're going to decide who has the first pick in this All Star draft, whether it's LeBron or Steph Curry, but it's 
gotta if be a you... coin flip or a fight or something. <laughs> well, Steph Curry better not hope it's a fight. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but if you were picking and you had the number one overall pick, so you couldn't pick LeBron or Steph, who are you going with with the first pick? Giannis. Yeah, me too. I think uh, Durant right now is the better player than Giannis, but for this all-star... If this is, is going to be a little bit more competitive and you're going to play some defense and you want to have an all-around player, you go with Giannis. If you're just going to be scoring, that's a different that's a different story, but well, still, I think, it might even still be Giannis. I think either way, even if you're just going to be scoring, <laughs> if you're going to be scoring, they're not going to be playing any defense anyway, so then you want the highlight plays, and Durant can definitely have highlight plays, but Giannis is on another planet when it comes it's, to that. It's going to be a super exciting. I love how they're doing it this year because these five versus these five would be exciting enough as it is. Then mix it around however it happens to fall. It's going to be even more exciting. Yeah, I just hope that they put forth a good effort. So let's uh, let's continue on All-Star Weekend, uh, the dunk contest. I know today we actually reported right when uh, right before this podcast from Shams, um, from Yahoo, of course, one of our most trusted sources, saying that Dennis Smith Jr., the rookie of the Dallas Mavs, he is in the dunk contest. Um, right afterwards, it was about 20 minutes afterwards, he tweeted himself. We retweeted that on our page as well. If you want to go look at that, uh, the NBA and Rapid Itch. He tweeted that he wasn't officially in the dunk contest and everything like that. So that might just be for the public eye and he can't officially announce it yet. But the source that we did pull it from is probably our first or second most trusted source. And really whatever he says in the NBA is pretty on it. So in, I think it's just... DSJ kind of just playing it cool until it officially gets announced. But what what are you thinking about this? Well, I think if Dennis Smith Jr. wants to be in the dunk contest, he definitely will. I think the four players that, if I could have my ideal dunk contest... Yeah, we'll, well, we'll do our four and four. Yes, I mean, my ideal dunk contest... Now that I think about it, I had four... If I could get LeBron James in the dunk contest, I wish he I wish he could have been in it like six, seven years ago when he was in a, his athletic prime. He's still one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete I don't, I don't know why in the NBA. I wish he would have, but um, clearly he's not going to. So not including him, the four that I would want in would be Dennis Smith Jr. Donovan Mitchell has had some ridiculous dunks this year. Yeah, no, he's got bunnies. Yeah, Aaron Gordon, he had an unbelievable dunk contest. I think it was in 2016. Was that the year he lost to Zach Levine in, like, double or triple overtime? And Aaron Gordon said, I think it was in November, he said if the NBA asked him to participate, he would. So, NBA, please, please ask him. Um, And then the fourth one, Larry Nance Jr., he's been injured or coming back from injuries the last two years around All-Star Weekend. Um, Last year he said he wanted to be in the dunk contest and then he injured his knee so he was coming back from it and just uh, felt like he wasn't healthy enough to be in the contest. This year he's been healthy and hopefully he stays healthy um, throughout the All-Star Weekend so he can participate. I think he'd be another really fun player to have in the contest. What yeah, about you, no, I, t- I totally agree. He's been throwing down crazy dunks the last two years, especially this year. He's put down two, both of them, they call him the Statue of Liberty uh, dunks for him. He's just fully extended with one arm. It's crazy to see this dude yeah. get up. 
That one dunk uh, he I, had on Kevin Durant was ridiculous. Yeah, no, that, that poster on Durant was crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I got three out of the four for the same for me this year. Okay. Two of them being rookies. Dennis Smith Jr., of course, he's in it. Yeah, Shams already reported it. He's tweeting, just being like, oh, I'm not officially in yet. Totally in it. Um, <laughs> Uh, Donovan Mitchell, of course, from the Jazz. I would love to see him. He flies, but that's what he was known for since he was coming out of high school. He's just developed his game around that as well. So he's having an amazing rookie season this year in Utah. But I'd love to see him in it as well. Uh, my third, Larry Nance Jr., i really love to see him in it, especially as a Lakers fan. I get to see him game in and game out and see how athletic he really is. So I'd love to see him showcase his talents just like his father. Um and then, but my fourth is going to be a little bit different. I want Gerald Green from the Houston Ooh. Rockets. Uh, I know that he got signed not too long ago, but he, what he he's thrown down some of the craziest dunks in the past, you know, five or six years. You know, all of those highlights that we've seen together. So I want to see him in it and see how much he can still fly. Yeah, Gerald Green's a good option too. He's had a few kiss the rim type dunks. He had when he was on the Pacers. There was a video that they sent out of him just catching different alley oops in practice, and then. At one point, he jumps up just to show how high he gets, and he literally sticks his whole head like over the rim. Damn, um, he's six foot eight, so that's no, yeah, that's pretty yeah, impressive. No, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to see it, especially now that he's playing for the Rockets. He's on that team. He's a Houston native. He's he was in the fight against the Clippers. He was right there. He's in it. He's got the fire again. I want to see him dunk it. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's between, we have a pretty similar four. Either yeah, way, yeah. I'm pretty sure those four are going to, you know, those three out of those four are going to be pretty close, if not debated to be in it. So yeah, it's going to be a fun, fun. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's move on to our next topic. So just a few points on Kobe Bryant. So there was a, um, just kind of a stat that Bleacher Report sent out a few days ago, Kobe's Mamba Mentality Instagram, which I thought was Pretty cool and very Kobe. Uh, his Instagram follows 81 people and has 8.1 million followers. So <laughs> I think and that's that's funny. Yeah, definitely uh, by design for him. I think yeah, we can 81, both agree. But that's yeah. a smooth transition to our other point for him. That yesterday was the 12 year anniversary of his 81 point game that he dropped on the Raptors and Jalen Rose, to be specific. So 12 years ago yesterday was the 81-point game for Kobe. Congratulations to the Mamba. Yeah, that I think that's the most impressive performance in NBA history. Wilt Chamberlain's 100 points, that was back well, in the... Well, no, I mean, Wait, I don't, don't want to say well, casual because that's doing that, him a disservice. In that time, like it was nothing. Yeah, I mean, the competition he had to play against was nothing like what Kobe was playing right. against. And that was a Raptors team that... I believe they made the playoffs that year. They had Chris Bosh. Um, other than that, I mean, Mo Peterson, Jalen Rose was primarily defending Kobe Bryant. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he he had a... That was an unbelievable performance. And a month earlier, he had a performance against the Mavericks that if he had played the fourth quarter, we'd probably be talking about that over the 81-point game. The Mavericks, that year... 06, they went to the finals and um, lost to the Heat four games to two. The Lakers played the Mavericks that year, and Kobe Bryant had 62 points through three quarters. The entire Mavericks team had 61 points. Wow. And he was hotter that game than he was against the Raptors. If he had played the fourth quarter, he 
I think he, either him or one of his teammates even said, if he played the fourth quarter, he probably would have had 90. Wow. I mean, no one would be talking about the 90-point game, but yeah, they, uh, they didn't let it happen. But, yeah, congratulations on the 12-year anniversary yesterday uh, and the Mamba Mentality Instagram with 81 people that they follow and 81, 8.1 million followers. So yeah. that's funny. Totally Kobe. But let's move on to one more thing about him. Uh, about I know you brought more, up actually. earlier the Deer Basketball animation. You could talk about that one since you brought it up. Yeah, so uh, it was announced today that Kobe Bryant's Deer Basketball animation was nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Short. So just a cool thing for Kobe as he keeps expanding upon what he's doing outside of the game of basketball. And speaking of expanding, he has a new show on ESPN debuting in March called Detail. He will be the writer, producer, and host. The show is just a deeper look into uh, how a player breaks down the game, game film, just full analysis on the game, but on a deeper level, detail with Kobe Bryant debuting in March on ESPN. So just Kobe showing that he's still the coolest guy ever and doing all types of stuff outside of his tremendous career. And he's, uh, you know, it's very cool because I know he does a lot of business ventures on the side as well. And he's showcased on Wall Street and he's investing in a lot of companies so he's just a mogul, and he's um, you know mogul, mogul, whatever you like to, uh, however you pronounce it. But he's he's definitely huge, and this new show is going to be really cool for all basketball players because Kobe Bryant's been known to break down the game more than other players ever could, and he's just got the second level that players you know players can't reach, and any player that he has uh, mentored or taught or anything like that's always been able to see it or at least gain a little bit from it. So for him to have a show. That he's got full control over is going to be really cool for any aspiring basketball player, or even pro basketball player, to watch. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm I'm really excited for this when it comes out in March. Just learning more about the game of basketball, Kobe's perspective on the game of basketball. Yeah, it's going to make us better else. podcasters. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to make everyone who likes basketball if they watch that show. I know it's just going to tell them so much about the NBA and teach them so much. So really excited for that. Um, let's move on to just the interesting fact that um, our friend Christian McGowan, who's been on this podcast twice before, um, sent us a fact that... Thanks, buddy. Yeah, so thank you, Christian. Um, in 1996, the 1996-1997 season, the fastest team in the NBA in terms of possessions per 48 minutes was the 76ers. They averaged 95.34 possessions per 48 minutes. This year, team. yeah, this year the slowest paced team, the Memphis Grizzlies, averaged 97.76 possessions for four, per 48 minutes. So up from 95.34 to 97.76, a little over two more possessions per game. And that really just speaks to obviously the game's gotten faster because we've kind of gone away from the traditional big man throwing it into the post and trying to let the big man score down low. It's more a perimeter-oriented game. Um, but this is a really incredible stat, just how much faster the NBA has become over the past 20 years. I mean, it's just great to have athleticism in the NBA now, and I love seeing the stat and seeing numbers side by side. But this is just, you know, not too long. This is 20 years. So it's crazy how fast this has been, you know, evolved and now 
it's a much faster game. That's why big men need to be shooting threes and everyone needs to be able to spread the floor and hit the outlets faster. It's just a much quicker game. Yeah. Perry, do you think that the NBA will continue to keep moving at a faster and faster pace or do you think we're going to start to eventually revert back to slow it down and try to grind it out in half court style basketball with I think uh, I think kind of right in between I think we're just going to plateau out and kind of stay where it is right now still a little bit more of a faster game but I don't know how much faster you can get um, but I don't see them reverting back to slowing it down. Maybe the you know the revamp of the big man at some point in the next ten years I see happening. You know the revamp of the Shack kind of kind of mentality of having just overpowering people down low instead of having to be a five that shoots threes. Uh, maybe that might come back, but regardless, either way, you still need to be able to spread the floor in this day and age, and the fact that the stat shows so clearly side by side, it's just how much more athletic and how fast it is, And but I think it's going to plateau, because how much faster can it get? Yeah, I think we're going to... It, the NBA is a copycat league, so right now with the Warriors being the best team in the NBA, and arguably one of, if not the best team of all time, other teams are trying to copy what they're doing, bring in shooters, and play at a fast pace. I think at some point there's going to be a dominant traditional big man with his back to the basket. It could even yeah. be Joel Embiid, and it's he, it's he's when still it's not when, a traditional because he can shoot threes at a high level as well. Yes, but his spread the floor. Yes, but his post moves allow him to be. When we think traditional type of big man, you think of someone who can just go into the post and have these phenomenal post moves. Embiid has terrific post moves. It's just that, in addition to that, he can also stretch the floor and shoot threes. But if you're running an offense through Joel Embiid, for example, or someone else similar to him, you're going to be slowing it down somewhat because you want to get him posted up down low. And I think that if it's the Sixers or some other team, it's just whatever team has that traditional big has to be one of, if not the best teams in the NBA. So, for example, if the Sixers in two or three years end up making it to the finals or winning a championship, then you'll start to see other teams think, okay, how are we going to be able to defend Embiid and compete against the 76ers? And then they're going to be try to they're going to try to be developing those type of traditional big men to compete with them. So that's the key: is just that there can't just be a dominant big man in the NBA. He has to be on the championship level team. I see what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, either way, it's just crazy to see how much faster the game has gotten. <clears throat> All right, guys, so let's move on to, of course, my favorite part of our show, our Twitter segment. So let's jump right in. Okay. Sorry, yeah. guys. It's okay, Perry. It's okay, Perry. at first. Yeah. Uh, they matched their season total for wins from a year ago. The exact right now, we got a total win, season win total of 31, and they have 33 games to go. So just a dramatic turnaround. They are on pace to destroy their last season, and that shows what a great year Jimmy Buckets is having. Of course, Jimmy Butler, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Wiggins, all these players that have came in and have already been there have showed what a great 
great team they have. Tom Thibodeau has done a great job coaching that roster up, and yeah, they have a serious chance in the playoffs. Don't forget about Jeff Teague and Taj Gibson. Too. Jeff Teague, Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson, what number is he wearing? Because I remember I watched a game the other day, and it just looks so ugly. <laughs> just the the most odd. Like, I know that that dude has zero jersey sales for this year. That's all I'm saying. There's not one kid that – hold on. Give me one. All right, keep talking, dude. I'm going to – pull this up right now <laughs> okay well I, I was pulling it up right now too but um yeah i mean the timberwolves that's what happens when you bring in jimmy butler is obviously the biggest factor for why they've had this big turnaround i think they're sitting at the uh four seed in the east um let me look that up really quickly they're sitting at the oh they're the three seed they had just passed the spurs so half a game ahead of the spurs for the three seed in the west um, Taj Gibson, as far as he wears, he wears number sixty-seven. Okay, Let's just yeah. talk about that for a second. <laughs> it's it looks so off when I was watching the game. He looked like a guy that just got caught up from the G League. Just they gave him a jersey that night, and they're like, "Good luck staying on this roster." He got signed to a pretty big deal, and he, he used to be with Tom Thibodeau. I don't know. I expected him to have some sleek number. Just seeing sixty-seven stood out of me. I don't know if anyone wears that number in football or basketball or anything like that. I'm terribly sorry. I don't mean any harm by these comments, but for Taj Gibson, it looks off. Uh, he's had. I think he wore a weird number when he was on the Thunder last year too. So maybe Just it weird. might have been the but same. Yeah, number. no. So yeah, congrats to the Timberwolves. They matched their season total of, and they still have thirty-three games to go. So great year, and they have a serious chance in the playoffs this year. Uh, let's move on to uh, John Wall calling J.J. Barea a, quote, midget, just trying to get mad. And I, that's funny. But, yeah, Barea responded by saying, uh, now I finally have somebody in the NBA that I don't like and that he knows that uh, the teammates that John Wall has don't like him either. So, <laughs> yeah. J.J. Barea has had a lot of uh, problems in his career. but Yeah, um I don't know, not too much to say on this topic, just, uh, I don't know, just uh, two players getting a little upset at each other. It, from everything I've seen, it didn't seem like they had any beef before last night. Um, I don't think the Wizards dislike John Wall at all, I think. Uh, yeah, no, me neither. Um, I mean, and Abrea said there's finally someone in the NBA that I don't like. Yeah. He's had a very long career, so clearly he doesn't have a lot of issues, but must have said something to John Wall or something, and vice versa. But, uh, yeah, let's move on to uh, the Rockets and the Warriors, who just played recently, and the Rock- Rockets came up victorious. But Harden has uh, released a quote saying, we are for real as it gets. I have never been this confident playing in my entire career. Uh, also, Clint Capella, who said, we're better than them, and that them meaning the Warriors. So a lot of confidence in Houston. I know Steve Kerr, I've seen a couple quotes from him, just being a professional, saying they're going to be a tough competition, tough to better, and you know we're going to game plan against them, and just what you say. But yeah, I mean, this might be the first time that the Warriors have someone that has uh, you know figured them out. So what do you think? I still don't think that the Rockets are beating them this year. The Warriors just have way too much firepower. Um, Rockets are having a... Very good year, and they, it looks like, will probably, when, uh, when, probably... When Clint Capella, Harden, and Chris Paul all play, I believe they're still undefeated. Okay, well, look, once the once the playoffs go on, I just think the Warriors are going to turn it on. It's weird, the Warriors are the number one seed in the Western Conference, 37-10, and 10, and it just, they're, uh, the Rockets are 33-12, and 12, and it just seems like the Warriors are having kind of a down year but that really just speaks to 
the standard that we hold them to just because of how great they've been in the past. And again, just I, consistent greatness at this point. They've been dealing with some injuries. They had Durant was injured last year. This year, it's been Steph Curry with just a few minor ankle issues that they've been very precautious or been very cautious about. Um, but yeah, I think once the playoffs start, the Rockets, I think they'll win maybe two games, four games to two. Warriors beat them. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're talking about. I think if, but uh, of all years, I really think that they have the best chance to take them down. But reverting back to the Warriors being the best team ever put together, I I don't see them uh, losing. Yeah, I. But with that, um, you did have some quotes. Did you already read them? As far as what? No, I already read. Yeah, I already read okay. them. Just the uh, yeah, we're as real as it can get. I've never been this confident playing in my entire career from Harden and the Capella. Just straight up saying we're better than them. So they definitely have confidence, and Harden has you know playing with more confidence he's ever played with in his whole life. But so are the Warriors. <laughs> huh. I just got a alert on Bleacher Report that the Cavaliers are still talking with the Kings about uh, George Hill. Okay, yeah, I brought that up actually earlier in the podcast. Yeah, yeah so briefly. that would be a... Uh, Live reporting from Corbin. Yeah, that would be a good good fit for the Cavs, definitely help them, especially with Isaiah Thomas still just trying to come back from his injury, and then you can basically get Derrick Rose completely out of your rotation um, by acquiring George Hill. So, yeah, it would be a nice fit. Um, I like just, I like that pickup a lot, and I don't like having Calderon on that team at all. You'd need a guy like George Hill to come in and add some uh, some speed to that roster. Uh, but let's talk about uh, let's move on from that and talk about Duke's recruiting class this year. I know it's college basketball, but uh, this is going to affect the NBA within the next year. Or so, uh, but regardless, this is the best. This might be okay. Let's not label anything here. It might be the best recruiting class of all time. Uh, they have the number one recruit, R.J. Barrett, uh, the number two, Zion Williamson, who just committed to them and surprised the entire nation. Everyone thought he was actually going to go to Clemson. If not, Kentucky was in the air. Um, I think North Carolina was in the air as well. But Duke was not in his top three or top five when it came to what everyone was assuming he was going to pick. So it came out of nowhere. Uh, so, yeah, he's the number two overall. Cam Reddish, the number three. So they have one, two, yeah. and three. And <laughs> Trey Jones, who's the tenth overall, they're all five star recruits. Let's, oh my, oh my, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and this, and just like we were talking about, this is, in my opinion, this was the best recruiting class of all time, and the only one that even has a chance to compete against it would be the Fab Five uh, from Michigan. I know you were hating on them a little bit, and then I broke out their uh, actual statistics for where they were rated and. They had well, not, pretty not much hating on them. It's just no, but you you said it wasn't even a debate, and then I, I whipped out where they were actually what number of recruits they were, and you said okay, actually it is. But yeah, they uh, <laughs> it's a little higher than you thought. But you know, they they had an amazing one of the best of all time, and now Duke they they're not done yet. That's the scary part. Yeah. They're not done yet. Yeah. But yeah, now this is going to affect the NBA. This is just what you know Calipari does every single year at Kentucky. Duke, you know, they're just going to shovel out another five-star class to the NBA. Yeah, that's crazy to see. That's the thing, though, is that Mike Krzyzewski is out Calipari-ing Calipari. Yeah, because Krzyzewski is kind of the guy that keeps players there and develops a little bit more, and he only sends off a couple guys to the NBA, you know, 
after their rookie season. It's not like the factory of one-year players that you know Calipari's put together where players come pretty much just to play for one year. Yeah, well, I mean, Krzyzewski, Duke kind of adapted this one-and-done model of recruiting a little later than a lot of other teams, especially Kentucky. I think Kyrie Irving was the first notable one-and-done player at Duke. Right. Um, and then it seems like pretty much every year as the past few years, Duke's had one, just one of those high-caliber one-and-done type players. They had Jabari Parker. Um, they had Jason Tatum. They got Marvin Bagley this year. Brandon Ingram um, two years ago. But this is extremely impressive. This It's going to be really fun to watch and see how they... Um, how they play together and how, and how the players draft stock um, either is helped or hurt by playing with a ton of others. That's the thing. That's the reason why there isn't as many loaded draft classes like this. It's not like the NBA where you put together this super team to go and, you know, you're all making tons of money and you want to win championships because that's just the ultimate goal. At the end of the day for these college kids, they want to win a championship together. They want to win, you know, in the tournament, but their ultimate goal is to go to the NBA. And if they're going to places like this, it's really, you know, selfish recruiting when, or, you know, when they're picking, it's because they want to go and they want to be the best player on those respected teams. You got the one, two, three, and 10 player going into Duke. So they're going to be a crazy starting five. But just like you just said, I think it might affect their draft stock a bit. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to. It's going to be interesting to see if it's going to hurt or help them. I think one player hurt it though. Like, how do you how do you spread it across? One player, one player that I think this is actually going to help is Zion Williamson because he is he is an absolute monster. He's six foot six and weighs in at two hundred seventy five pounds. He's got a bigger body coming out of high school than LeBron James, but he is unbelievably athletic, fiercest high school player at attacking the rim that I've ever seen, but he doesn't have an outside shot. And I think playing with three other high caliber, uh, freshmen, and, you know, reddish, like just but, them two alone. Well, I think, I think that that's going to kind of take the attention off of what Zion Williamson can't do, which is shoot outside. He's going to have as many opportunities as he possibly could anywhere to get to the rim and attack because Teams can't just pay attention to him. They got to pay attention to the three other um, five-star players, at least three other five-star players coming in to play with him. And Duke, I don't know exactly what players are going to be back from this team, but they're going to have talent coming back anyways. So I think it helps Zion Williamson. I'm not sure about all of the other players, um, but, I mean, we'll see. Maybe Krzyzewski, for my money, is the best college coach uh in the game possibly ever and um yeah. if anyone can find a way to make this work where they're a really good team and also yeah, it's, helping it's, all it's of his coach players k. get good um get a good spot yeah, in the draft it's, yeah it's it's definitely coach, coach k it's just showing that he's got a little youth left in him too like he's able to recruit like this i, I haven't seen a recruiting class coming to duke anywhere close to this in a long time so no, they've had they've had really good classes though. Not yeah, like, not like I just said like well, this. We've never seen anything except maybe the Fab Five. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's, it shows that he's not because there has been rumors. Of course, he's getting older, and it's not like he's on his way out. But you know, Calipari's younger, and there's a younger coaches even coming in, and it's a very easy game plan to adapt to when it comes to recruiting. 
you go offer players a place to play for a year and go immediately to the NBA. That's it. And if they want to stay, you want to offer a good system there. But, you know, Coach K is not going to last all too long. He's, you know, at some point he's going to give it up. But to show that he's still got this firepower in his recruiting and his ability, it's crazy because this team's going to win the championship next year. Oh, let's not. In my opinion, let's in my not, opinion let's no, not I'm, I'm waiting right before. now. I'm, I'm going to make my i got to make my prediction. I'm going to wait on that. I'm not going <laughs> to crown them champions. This so. is the best draft class of all time with one of the best, if not best, coaches of all time. Class. If they don't win the championship, it's an ultimate disappointment. The Fab Five didn't either year. They had two years with... Well, they're better players. than the Fab Five. I know. And they got better coaching I'm than just saying, Michigan well, did. Yeah. But yeah, well, they're, not, yeah. they're not even done yet. Let's get that straight. This is just the early part of recruitment, just the early announcements. So they still can nab other players in the top 100 as well. Yeah, and I think they'll definitely get at least one more in the top 100. Totally agree. Yeah. So that's a crazy uh, quick college basketball update from us here at NBA Unwrapped. Back to uh, the NBA news. We got uh, the Trailblazers. I know they engaged with the Clippers in talks for DeAndre Jordan as of yesterday. So who knows what might happen with that. I think that would be a pretty good fit. They need a rim protector down there, and he played very well with, uh, you know, McCollum and Lillard and picking rolls and, you know, just having a great guy down low, rebounding and giving them second opportunities. So I think he, he'd add a grit to that Trailblazers team. Yeah, it's a good fit. There was a report that Damian Lillard had a one-on-one meeting with the Trailblazers owner, Paul Allen, uh, within the last few weeks, just one for Damian Lillard to reaffirm his commitment to the Trailblazers, but also he wanted to hear what Paul Allen's um, plans were as far as improving the team and make sure that they were going to do everything possible to get to be a championship contender. Um, and this meeting went on without anyone in management even knowing Paul Allen told management after it happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, this... Uh, this DeAndre Jordan trade, if it can happen for the Trailblazers, I think it helps them a lot. They've made the playoffs, I think, the last four years, and they have never gotten past the second round in any of them. Damian and they, Lillard, tried, they tried very hard to get Carmelo Anthony to come over there yeah. as well, and they swung and missed on that one. So well, DeAndre Jordan, Jordan would be a much better fit than Carmelo Anthony. The Blazers, totally agree. the Blazers already have enough players that don't play defense. Um, right, but Damian Lillard, a rim, a rim protector and a rebounder, and that's exactly what they. Yeah, need. Lillard's going to be 28 years old in July. Um, he's in his prime right now. He wants to. This is going to be the best chance he has to lead his team to a championship. And if they can get DeAndre Jordan, no, they're not going to beat the Warriors or beat the Rockets. But I think, depending, assuming they don't give up any current assets that they have as far as players. Um, or if they do, just insignificant ones, and it's more built off of a future first-round pick or something of that nature, then this could catapult the Blazers into the top four or five. I think it puts them close, if not on par, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. What do you think, I like Aaron? that. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be a good fit. I think they need to make a move, or they're never going to be better than they are right now. Yeah, well, I mean, the, well, the Blazers do poorly right now is that they don't play defense so get a rim protector someone that can rebound for you and yeah i think it's a great fit so. yeah i yeah. agree so yeah let's move on we got five straight home wins for the lakers uh they're 17 and 29 they're tied for the 11 seed they're only a game out of the 10 seed um they're not competing at a playoff level or anything but they're playing well and their young players are coming together 
Yeah, so I mean, it, it two, is for LA. Their last two home games um, have come without Lonzo Ball, who I know last time we had this podcast, we mentioned how they had zero wins when Lonzo Ball wasn't playing and were being outscored. Right, so that was since the last podcast. Yeah, and were being outscored by an average of, I think it was like 17 points a game. They beat the Knicks by 20, um, but before that, they played the Pacers, and we forgot to mention this. This was just ridiculously sad for the Lakers and the Pacers because the Pacers lost to the Lakers. Lakers won 99-86, and they shot 2 for 14 on free throws. That was the Uh, lowest free throw percentage with a minimum minimum of 10 attempts. The lowest free throw percentage in NBA history for a team that won the game. And they beat the Pacers by 13. And the Pacers aren't a bad team. They're sixth place in the East right now. So how bad of a game did the Pacers have? <laughs> I must have Seriously. been pretty bad. But, yeah, um, awful. Yeah, just but the, yeah, no, congrats to the Lakers for five straight home games, and hopefully they can keep you going and make a creep towards the eighth seed. But they're definitely uh, still, yeah, uh, still at the bottom. They're, they're six games out of the eighth seed right now. I'm not expecting anything good no, as far as the It's, it's, to good, the to see that. it's good to see them fighting, especially since this isn't a tanking year or anything. Yeah, this they don't even have their pick, yeah, so let's uh, move on to the Twitter polls that we had from our last podcast. We actually, they were both about Paul Pierce. We wanted to bring them on to Twitter from the debates that we had on the last podcast and see what you guys thought. Uh, I know Shannon Sharp was the one that said he wasn't even top 10 as a Celtic, and I entertained that as well. Uh, and we put that poll up and said, you know, two debates came up from our most recent podcast. Where would you rank Paul Pierce in terms of best Celtics of all time? Uh, 54% for top 10. So he did crack the top 10 for our our Twitter poll. And then it's a, a split between 15, 15, and 16. So pretty much even between top three. So whoever voted for that is never watched. Well, yeah, I, so look, the, uh, the results were, because you kind of broke them down, kind of confusing. So we had yeah. options top three, top five, top 10, not top 10. So top three and top five both had 15%. The majority was top 10 with 54%, and only 16% said that Paul Pierce was not a top 10 Celtic. So it is pretty obvious that our followers believe that Paul Pierce is definitely a top 10 Celtic, which brings us to the next debate that we had, which was if Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen never came to Boston and Paul Pierce never won a championship while playing for the Celtics, would he still be getting his jersey retired? So this one was very close. We had 53% of you say no, he would not, and 47% say yes. So 84% of you said he's a top 10 Celtic, but 53% of you guys said he would not have his jersey retired if he didn't win a championship. And I get it that if he had And this goes back to saying how deep the roots are in Boston and how even though he might be top 10 it's the they have one of the most championships and that's what matters in boston so it doesn't matter if your stat line might be as good as you know someone like jojo white who has championships under him and so much rapport and all these other players so just like i said on the last podcast no if ray allen and kevin garnett Sorry, Kevin Garnett did not come over to Boston to come save you and come win you a championship because he was the only good thing in Boston at that point, of course. And regardless of how good Paul Pierce was, they weren't going to win a championship. Two superstars came and made the first 
quote-unquote super team of our time, really, since we were watching. Uh, so, yeah, they won that championship for him, and that's the only championship that he had for the rest of his career. So just like I said, I don't think he'd have his jersey retired just strictly because of where he played basketball. If he was a Milwaukee Buck or an Indiana Pacer or anything like that, his jersey would be retired before he got re- before he even retired. That's how cherished he'd be in those cities. But he's a Boston Celtic, so it's just how championships are really looked at there. You guys agreed, but it was barely, of course. But 53% agreed that no, if he didn't win a championship, he would have still had a great career, top 10, but not enough to get his jersey retired. So that's the... Uh, overall consensus from our two Twitter polls that we got from you guys, but he is a top 10 Celtic of all time, according to you. Thank you guys for uh, participating in those, by the way. Yeah, and I think the the top 10, it's a, where he is right now, which he won that championship, so maybe some more people, if he didn't win that championship, they wouldn't have him in their top 10. Um, Good point. Yeah, and I know last podcast I said that he'd still have his jersey retired. I've I don't know, I'm reconsidering it. I still you see now. Now you agree. Just, now you agree. Just because I'm it, not, it would be close. No, I'm not it saying. I'm not close. saying he would not say. We're not saying there's no way, but it would be close. But he would not because that championship is all that matters. I think I I completely understand what you're saying with the Celtics and the Lakers. Those are the two organizations where if you don't win a championship, <laughs> then were you really successful with that team? Like. If, if you're a Buck, if you're a Pacer, if you're a Maverick, you know, any of that, your jersey's retired 100%, no questions asked, without a championship, but because he's a Celtic. But there hasn't been a player, as far as the caliber of Paul Pierce, a player like him on the Celtics or the Lakers that didn't win a championship, so it's not like you can go back and look at some precedent that was sent as, set as far as, well, they never won a championship, so their jersey wasn't retired, even though they were one of the better players from their generation. One of the better players compared to your jersey being up in the rafters is different. Right. Being in the rafters, you're not one of the better players. You're one of the greats. Right. That's a really good point that you bring up, actually. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm... I'm conflicted on it, and I shouldn't you're, be. You're one of the greats. You're, I, on the Mount Rush, you're on the Mount Rushmore of Celtics, and you don't have a championship. I that hate, just doesn't happen. I hate that. And that but but, it, but it's a double standard. Let's wait, though, because you could have less of an impressive career on the stat sheet, but because you were on such elite teams and had championships, you then are praised more than players that had better personal careers than you. So it does come on the other end. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And and that's coattailing, but that's not a problem. You're an intricate well, part of championship no, it's not, teams. Yeah, it's not, you're, you're, it's not coattailing. It's not like you're it Mark could, Madsen could be, on the Lakers. Like, it's not like you're well, Mark it, Madsen right, on the it's Lakers. It's riding the coattails of a LeBron James, per se. James Jones had a prestigious career. Yeah, but he's not, he's not getting his jersey retired by anyone. Okay, okay, but you, that's what I just meant, though. Oh, sorry, I, I meant just by being on a team that you happen to be on a team of greatness, and you're not great. But you're very good, and you're on a team that you're an intricate part of those championships, but it's not like you had this great career. You were very good. But you have the amount of championships because of the teams that you were on to be considered a great. Considering, you know, JoJo White, any of these players yeah. that we just brought up, you know, rest in peace, of course, but his... Uh, 
his stat line wasn't, you know, amazing off the sheet. He didn't even average 20 points a game or anything like that. Did never, you know, no double doubles, anything like that that stood off. You know, it was just the fact that he won two championships and he was such a great person in Boston and he had a very good career, very respectable, and he won those championships and he's in those rafters. But if he didn't win those championships, those numbers aren't as good as players that, you know, like Paul Pierce, who were, was more the truth, you know? It's, it's so, it, it works both ways. If you win a championship, you know, it helps you out. But if you don't and you're great, you know, you're not looked at as, you know, as, as great as someone else that might have been on the team that won those championships, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I just hate myself for even spending so much time and thinking about this so hard for the Celtics. Right, but I mean, you know, if this is a really good debate, yeah, why we I debated on it out of nowhere last podcast, we didn't plan that at all, and why we had to bring those onto our Twitter, and why it even continued into this podcast. So that shows you how serious of a debate and how conflicted we are on both of these, but it just shows what the power of the rings, you know? It's the power of those championships and what those mean in places like that. Let's, but there's no disrespect to his career whatsoever. He'd be in the rafters of every single team in the league, except for the Celtics and the Lakers. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with that. That any other team, there wouldn't be a debate with the Celtics. Not even, or the not Lakers, even, not even a word. There's at least a debate. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so the, another great ending debate for our podcast, of course. But uh, really quick, let's. Uh, I just want to bring up one thing I forgot to add after the Jason Kidd. Uh, just a couple of names on the top of my head that I was thinking might you know, be good replacements for him when that time does come around. I'm not going to spend much time on this at all. But um, just thinking about it, because I was – David Fisdale was one of my favorite coaches, the one that got released or sorry, fired by the Memphis Grizzlies earlier this year, possibly due to problems with Marcus Saul, anything like that. But he's a player's coach. He's maximized his talent. He's – He'd be a great fit with that Bucks team, and I see that matching up in my head. If not, I know Monty Williams. Uh, he used to be the coach for the Pelicans. He's in the front office of the Spurs right now, but he has been very vocal about finding his opportunity to uh, coach again. So he could be a very big option for the Bucks as well. Mark Jackson, let's remember his name. Uh, I know he's he was the ex coach for the Warriors. They could call, you know call him up right now. He's not coaching, so. Get him back, and one more that I was thinking off the top of my head, Jerry Stackhouse. He oh. was the G League. He was the G League Coach of the Year last year. He coaches uh, the Raptors G League team. I'm not saying that'd be the best fit, but he's definitely qualified, and on a he is a, known to be a players' coach as well. So those four picks, I think you can strike some gold if you're uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. If you're uh, taking my advice, yeah, I think uh, Jerry Stackhouse is an interesting one to bring up. I. I doubt that the Bucks would seriously consider hiring him just because if you're going to fire Jason Kidd, you've got to make a um, you've got to get of, someone who's established. Got, well, you've got to kind of win Giannis over again. Um, yeah, you have to. Have which someone is which who's is why I think David Fisdale would be such a perfect fit in that you know with that team. He's such a player's coach. He's known to be such a gritty, you know, young. He gets it. He's young. He's going to relate to Giannis. He'll take a personal, hands-on approach. I think he'd be a, a match made in heaven already, and that's why he was the first name I brought up. But Monty Williams, if you're talking Mark Jackson, you're talking distinguished coaches, players, or coaches that will come in and bring a plan that they've used in the past and re-implement it in that team and show him that they have the experience and that they know what they're doing and that he'll buy into that system. So that's a different 
kind of approach, but I think David Fisdale, uh, it's the good mix between, I think it's David Fisdale would be my in between Jerry Stackhouse and Monty Williams kind of thing. He's got the experience, but still not, um, you know, too, too much older and not no longer a coach in the league for a little bit, you know, like Mark Jackson and stuff. So I think David Fisdale is the answer. Uh, I like Fisdale, but I think Monty Williams makes a lot of sense too. Monty Williams, when he got fired from his job with uh, New Orleans, he did not deserve to be fired. He did I agree. really yeah, well I mean, with them. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, from what I've seen from him as a coach, he's done very well. That team with, um, I think it had Chris Paul and David West, even though he was he was out of his prime by then. Um, what he was able to do with taking the Lakers to, I mean, they made it a series with the Lakers in the, uh, I think it was the 2011 uh, yeah, playoffs. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really good coach. I think he should Sam. definitely get a uh, second chance in this league, whether it's with the Bucks or someone else. Yeah, he's been very clear about it, and he's in the front office of the Spurs yeah. right now. Like, he might even be like there, something of basketball operations, something like that. He's definitely got a good spot up there. I was reading something about it yesterday, so it would be nice to see him pop back in. But if you like my my list of four, I think is uh, an interesting mix to to throw out there, just to start throwing out names. Yeah, early. yeah, yeah. I think it's a good preliminary list for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it'd be awesome to see. It's going to be one of the most sought-out jobs in the NBA due to Giannis, of course, being there and uh, ownership group that is willing to spend the money, got them the new arena. It's a fan base that is now vamped up, excited to win now, and they never really have, you know, in this recent, you know, any recent times. So it's it's definitely going to be one of the most sought-out jobs, and it's going to be very anticlimactic with riding out the rest of the season with an interim head coach, Hopefully they can do something with an interim head coach, and maybe he can prove himself and win the players over. Because let's not, uh, you know, mark him out yet. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. The Bucks head coaching position is going to be the most sought after job in the NBA this off season. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, with but yeah, that, no, I think that's all we got for you guys today. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. We definitely needed to jump on immediately after finding out about the uh, Jason Kidd firing, all this drama with the Cavs and with the Spurs and everything. So a lot of things happening in the NBA. So much for Corbin and I to cover it. We really appreciate you guys interacting with us on Twitter, of course. Uh, of course, go back to follow us on NBA Unwrapped. Thank you for everyone that's been shooting us mentions, retweets, favorites, direct messages. We love it all. Thank you for interacting with our Twitter polls. We're going to put up some more just to get you guys' opinions on some of the all-star voting uh, coming up and, sorry, the draft between the players. Ask some fun questions for you guys. I know with our podcast last week, we were uh, talking about doing some sort of fight club on Twitter and pairing up different players since there were so many fights last week and see who you guys think would move on in regards to if players actually did fight on the court. So we might throw out some fun things like that for you this week. Just stay tuned. Uh, stay on our Twitter. It's going to be fun. So thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. And uh, like Corbin, send us off into the sunset. But just wanted to say thank you guys, especially on the Twitter Twitter part, since I run most of it. And I'm very appreciative of you guys being so active. And we love you. And we're going to continue to give you guys everything you guys can possibly want. Yeah, thank you guys all for all the interactions we've had on Twitter. It's a lot of fun. Um, just hearing what you guys have to say about different um, thoughts and ideas you have, different takes that you guys have, unwrapping your takes, not just ours. 
Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. We hope you guys have enjoyed today's show. We're going to be back again next week with what I'm sure will be another fun-filled, crazy episode with seems like every day there's more stuff going on in the NBA. So I'm sure we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. So yeah, just once again, thank you guys all for listening, and we hope you guys listen in again next week. So until yeah, then, stay tuned, guys. We'll yeah. see you guys next Take week. Take care. Bye.